John chapter 1, verse 2, once again. Do we have any doers of the word of God in this room? Let me say it again. Do we have any doers of the word of God in here? Come on, say, I am a doer of the word of God. Because you do realize that these are the only people who get results. Let me say it again. These are the only people who get results. See, it's not the churchgoers that get the results in their lives. Come on. It's not the people that play tapes that get the results in their lives. It's not just the Bible readers. It's not the people who say amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it's not the people who just talk about the Bible. Come on. It's not the people who have books and tapes galore in their house or car. Come on. It's the who. Only the doers get the results in their lives. Let me say it again. Only the doers get the results in their lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Only the doers get the results in their lives. So you can go to church for 20 and 30, 40 years and not do the word of God. And get no results in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. And churches are filled with people like that. Amen? So once again, let's look at 3 John 1, 2. Let's talk about doing the word or doing the word in the areas that we've been studying. Where it says here in 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I wish above what? All things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in what? Help. Come on, do you believe, do you believe the Bible is God speaking to you? Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Come on, say this verse. Is God speaking to me? Come on, say it again. This verse is God speaking to me. Well, what did he tell you? He said that he wishes or desires above all things that we would prosper, and he wishes or desires above all things that we would be healthy. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, there's a lot in the Bible concerning prosperity. And you'll find God speaks about money more than healing and other things in the Bible. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And we looked at chapter after chapter, book after book in our study here on Wednesday nights. We've seen how God feels about you and I being prosperous. Have we seen that? Amen. Come on. It is his will that we prosper materially, spiritually, and financially. Amen. And that we be in health physically. Come on, say amen, somebody. But how is it going to happen? Even as thy what? Even as thy what? Soul prosper. You're not going to prosper in your wallet or your pocketbook until you prosper in your soul. Somebody say my soul. You're not going to get healed until you prosper in your soul. Until you see yourself healed. You think healed. And you talk healed. Come on, that's prospering on the inside. Come on, say amen, somebody. In your what? Soul. And as you do that, it's going to affect your what? Your body. You've got to quit talking poor and quit thinking poor or thinking broke. Come on, say amen, somebody. You've got to make plans to do things. You've got to make things to do. You've got to make plans to do things that rich people do. Why? Because he wants me to prosper. He said it, so I what? I believe it. Somebody say, I believe it. But as, as my soul, or as I prosper in my soul, as I quit believing lies, as I quit talking broke, as I quit talking broke, come on, as I quit talking broke, as I prosper in my soul, it's going to work in all the other areas in my life. As I what? Prosper in my soul. If you get rich on the inside, it's just a matter of time before you start getting rich on the outside. To your neighbor, it's just a matter of time. So far, so, so far, we went over a lot on this subject. But there are so many people that are missing out. And it's sad, but those people that are missing out are going to be behind. They're going to be what? 
behind. And that can become very serious over a long period of time. Because what happens is this. See, all of us are here Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. See, some of us. And over time, those that are here will see and think differently than those who haven't been here on Wednesday or Sunday. Come on, say amen, somebody. And our faith will be at a complete different level than somebody who hasn't been here at all or haven't been here on a consistent basis. Come on, I'm talking about people who are supposed to be part of our group. And that's not everybody, come on. Because some people go to another church to get fed. Come on, say amen, somebody. But what happens is, sometimes is what happens in Jesus' ministry. After a length of time, he began to preach and teach some things that wasn't what that was meat of the word. I mean, it was some serious meat of the word. And there was one day where most of the crowd left him. But why was that? Because they couldn't hear it. Say it again. They couldn't hear it. See, their thinking was at, was, wasn't at that place. Their heart and their faith wasn't at that place where they could hear it and receive it. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the guys who had been the closest with him, come on, they didn't leave him. And even though they didn't understand, they were at a place where they could keep going. Come on, you follow me out here. And I've seen it in people's lives that if they don't stay hooked up, say it again, that they don't stay hooked up, and if they get progressively, if they, and if they don't get progressively fed and they grow, what happens, they get to the place where they think they disagree because they see it. You hear what I'm saying? They what? They think they disagree because why? Because they don't see it. And what happened, they will pull themselves out of the will of God. Or they pull themselves out of where God put them or placed them. They'll get upset. They'll get mad at something I said. And they'll leave and jump out of the will of God. And see, that can be very serious. But if you're hearing it, and you're hearing it, and you're hearing it, it doesn't sound strange to you at all when I say God wants you to be rich. Come on, am I right? It doesn't bother you at all when I say God wants you blessed beyond measure. See, that doesn't sound strange to you. But if you haven't heard any of that and you never heard it, it's going to sound very strange to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? So we've been talking about prosperity is real. And we went over numerous things. Come on, say amen, somebody. We talked about the names of God. You remember those? El Shaddai and Jehovah what? Jireh. Amen. Glory to God. We looked at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And we asked them, what kind of God did they know? Come on. They all knew a God who made them rich. They all knew a God who blessed them amazingly. Come on, are you with me out here? And we talked about the covenant of prosperity. You know, God established covenant with Abraham that applies to us today. Somebody say it applies to me today. And we are blessed. Hey, I ain't sounding like it. And we are blessed. Why? The blessing of Abraham is what? Is ours. And it includes material prosperity. And we found out the curse of the disobedient is not ours. Come on. And we read about the curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But according to Galatians 3.13 it says, We've been redeemed from the what? We've been redeemed from the what? Curse of the law. We don't have to have it. Come on. We don't have to have it. We don't have to have any part of the curse. But guess what? Poverty is part of the curse. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen? 
Sickness is also part of the curse. So I don't have to be sick. Come on, say amen, somebody. But tonight, let's go into a different area. Now we talked about Abraham, we talked about Isaac, we talked about Jacob, who were the patriarchs. But tonight, let's talk about what kind of God did King David know? And we're going to look at Solomon before it's all said and done, and Jehoshaphat, the kings. Amen. We're going to look at the kings. Amen. And if you're wondering why we're looking at the kings, what do they have to do with us? Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. What do the kings have to do with us? I've been reading 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, man. And you need to read about those kings. Glory to God. Revelations 1.5, what's it say here? And from Jesus Christ, who was the faithful what? Witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings. Prince of the what? Kings of the earth. Jesus is the prince of the what? Of the what? Kings of the what? Earth. Then it says, unto him that what? Loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Who are the kings of the earth? Come on, who is he talking about? Verse 6 says, and has made us what? Made us what? Kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen, or so be it. Come on, has he made us kings? Yes. When he says he's the king of kings. Yes. Well, who, who is he the king of? Yes. Are you a king? Yes. Are you a king? Yes. Is he talking about you? Yes. Has he washed you in his blood? Yes. Did he love you? Yes. So the us is us. The us is us. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you understand it or not, just accept the word and say, I'm a king. Come on, say, I'm a king. Come on, say it again. I am a king. Listen, he made you a king. I didn't say queen. I said king. Don't get your little ruffles, fellow, because you, come on. Don't be talking about saying I'm a queen. You don't want to be queen. You want to be the king. <laughs> Come on. Say I'm the king. Glory to God. Just as surely as he loved you, he made you a king. Just as surely as, you, as he washed you in his blood, he made you a king. Come on, say I'm a king. See, when you hear that, this has caused you to become more interested in all the, all the writings about the kings. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, people don't read about the kings in the Bible because why? They don't believe it applies to them. Not knowing everything talking about the kings. I'm talking about the good ones. Because there's some bad ones in there. It applies to you. Tell your neighbor, it applies to me. Come on, doesn't the Bible say we're going to rule and reign? Does it say that? Well, who rules and reigns? Kings. Do kings rule and reign? And the Bible said we're what? We're kings. But who ever heard of a bunch of broke kings? (laughs) Come on. Who ever heard of a bunch of broke kings? When you think of a king, what comes to your mind? Rich. Rich, right? You think about the gold crown with all those big diamonds and rubies and jewels. and Come on, say amen, somebody. What kind of clothes do kings wear? 
They don't wear sacks. What kind of shoes do kings wear? What kind of chariots do kings ride in? They ride in the best. What kind of thrones do they sit on? Ivory and gold. Come on, say amen, somebody. What kind of house do kings live in? Mansions and castles. God said, in my house there are many mansions. Kings even have servants. Somebody doing their dishes. Somebody cleaning the house. Come on. All the women should be saying, amen. Hallelujah. Listen, if it's all right for me to have a mansion in heaven, then it should be all right for me to have a mansion on the earth. Come on, does that make sense? So he says he made us what? Kings and priests unto who? God. So let's go back to the Old Testament and look at King David. A man at the God's own heart. And a man who didn't start off rich. He started off a shepherd and a guitar player. He had a little portable harp. <laughs> Amen. And he would write his own songs and tune to and tend to his sheep all out there by himself. He was the youngest of a large family. And in those days, the firstborn was everything. Amen. And here in 1 Kings 16, 5, we know, we, we know the story how David was anointed to be king before he actually became the king. And sometimes people don't realize you can be anointed but not walk into your office yet. He was anointed before he became the king. Amen. Nobody's denying your anointing, but there's a time and place for everything. Do you hear me? So 1 Samuel 16, 5, as we've seen when God sent Samuel to the sons of Jesse to anoint the king, verse 5 says, and he said, peaceably, he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified who? Jesse, amen, and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked at Eliab, and he said, surely, because Eliab was the firstborn. This got to be the man. Firstborn, look at his statue. I mean, he's a big man. Look like a mighty warrior. He got the look. Come on, he got the walk. He got the talk. This got to be the man. And said, he, he said, Eliab, he looked at Eliab and said, surely this is God's anointed before him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Samuel. Look not on his countenance or on the what? Height of his statue. Because why? I have what? I have what? I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Yeah, you need to say thank you, Lord. <laughs> for man look upon the outward appearance. But the Lord... Look upon the heart. Glory to God. And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. This got to be the one. He said, neither has the Lord chosen him or this. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made son, seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, and the Lord has not chosen none of these. But look at this. Notice, David was so insignificant that they didn't even call him to the supper. Verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, oh, there remaineth the youngest, the baby boy. Ain't worth nothing. Come on. 
Behold, he out there. We put him out there with the sheep. Amen. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him. For we will not even eat till he comes down thither. And he sent and he brought him in, and now he was ruddy. <laughs> and with her of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to, he was a handsome man. But I'm pretty sure by this time he's out there with the sheep by himself. He won't worry about how he smelled. And I'm pretty sure he smelled pretty bad. Come on, say amen, somebody. He wasn't dressed in his finest, amen. He, you know, he was out there, you know, with the sheep. No one was looking at, nobody was looking at him, how he dressed. So he come in there, smelly, looking all ready. Amen. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Come on, Lord said, This is him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Listen, the Lord's choice always makes the difference. Say it again. The Lord's choice always makes the difference. But even after this, he started out a kid. Lowest ranked in the family. They were not wealthy, as we're going to find out. But through his faith, he did great exploits. I'll say it again. Through his faith, he did what? Great exploits. He was used of God to conquer the giant Goliath. And when he conquered the giant Goliath, guess what? Everybody knew the little boy David. Are you with me out here? And he got to the place. Come on, where they've sent for him to the palace to play his guitar. Come on. See, that was great for a little boy that didn't have nothing. And it was great for a little while until Saul became jealous of it. And during this time, he asked about Mary and his daughter. That's David about Mary and his daughter. Look at 1 Samuel 18:22. Notice when they sent word to David, notice David's response. It says, and Saul commanded his servants, saying what? Commune with David secretly. And say, behold, the king has delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law. But really, we know if you read the story, he was trying to set David up. Amen? Verse 23 and Saul's servants spake these, those words in the, ears, in the ears of David. And David said, Seem it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a what? That I am a what? Poor man and lightly esteemed. Why? Because this is where he started, folks. He was lightly esteemed and he was a poor kid. Are you listening to me out here? And not, not long after that, amen, not long after that, he had to run for his life. He became a fugitive, a wanted man. He's on the FBI's most wanted list, number one. He was number one who the king wants dead. And the king had the secret service. Come on, everybody after him. Are right, you with me out here? David ran for his life night and day. But guess what? Even in that situation, he was a prosperous man. Amen. Somebody say he was a prosperous man. What happened? People began to hook up with him. He began to get, he began to get stronger and stronger and have stuff. And after a while, he had a family. Come on, he had herds. Come on, he had stuff. And he had possessions. Come on, are you with me out here? Come on, this was a fugitive, folks. How many people believe God can prosper you in any circumstance? Somebody say in any first circumstance. Come on, say in any circumstance. So at this junction in his life, David has become a man of substance and a man, of, a man who people have submitted themselves to. And that's supernatural itself because why? Think about it. You go hook over a man. That every day, you, when you get up in the morning, you have to think about where we're going to run today. Amen? That's supernatural. Tell your neighbor, it's super, supernatural. 
But shortly after this, look at 1 Samuel 31. It says, and it came to pass, when David and his men were come to what? Ziglag, on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag, and that's where David has his camp, has had his camp at. All the women and children and everything he had was at Ziglag. And they what? Smitten Ziglag, and they what? They burn it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein, and they slew not any, either great or small. That's a miracle of itself, because why? When they conquered things, they was killing everything. But they didn't kill no one. It says, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. And so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was what? It was burned with fire. Come on, could you imagine coming home from a campaign? And your house ain't there? It's burned down to the ground. Everything you own was in that house. And now you have nothing. Not even your wife and your children. And it says, it was burned down. Their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captive. I said, then David and the people that were with them did what? They did what? They whipped up their boys and they cried like little babies until they had no more power to weep. And then it says, and David's two wives were taken, Anonam and Jezreelitis and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Now think about it. These were men of war. Powerful men. It'd be like Hezekiah getting up and... <laughs> these men were fearless but yet they were crying like little babies now you may say why don't they just go after them that sounds good but they don't know where to go which way did they go they don't know. They came home. Come on. They came home to a burnt village. They don't know whether their family is dead or alive. Come on, say amen, somebody. All they see is ashes. Everything is gone. Come on, we're talking about King David here. What kind of God did he know? And what kind of man did God know? Look at verse 6. And David was what? Greatly distressed. And the people spake of what? Stoning him. Listen, when things go wrong, people are quick to blame somebody. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, the day before, they were probably praising him. But now, he's the cause of all of our pain. Come on, if we hadn't been out with him, we would have been here to protect our families. So they wanted to kill him. And guess what? These were expert killers. <laughs> you don't want them on your bats, or you don't want to be on their bad side. Because they know how to kill. And now they want to kill him. Look, it says, it goes on to say, because the soul of all the people were what? was grieved every man for his sons and for his what? Daughters. What would most people do in this situation? Run. <laughs> Get out of Dodge. Come on, say amen, somebody. But here's a man who was raised poor and got a little head in Saul's household, but then was knocked down to nothing again. Come on, say amen, somebody. He built it back up strong. And just like that, he has nothing, not even his family. What do you do in a situation like this? Do you know most multi-billionaires have gone broke at least two or three times in their lifetime? 
but they're still multi-billionaires. See what I just said? Why? Because they wouldn't quit. You hear what I just said? They wouldn't quit. To them, it was not the end. I'm not talking to anybody in this room. To them, it was just a temporary situation. Why? Because they did not see themselves as broke, even though they were broke. They refused to accept that inside themselves. Come on, I'm not not talking to anybody in this room. But most of the population of this world believes they're broke. That's just the way it is. We poor, but we're proud. And the love the Lord loves poor people too. He does love poor people. And there's no sin to be poor. But it's very inconvenient. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's very inconvenient. And it's not the perfect will of God. And it doesn't befit kings. Come on, are you with me? I said, you got to be like David. What did he do? I said, but David what? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He did what? He did what? Well, how did he do that? Do you know how he did? Do you know how to do it? Sometimes you need to go back and read some of the Psalms. Come on, say amen, somebody. What do you do? When you hit rock bottom, what do you do when you were doing so great yesterday and today it's all gone? That sounds like the spiritual thing to do, but that ain't what most people do. (laughs) What do you do? You encourage yourself in the Lord. You do what? Encourage yourself. Nobody, listen, nobody in the church will encourage me. I wish somebody in the church would encourage me. That's where some people are in church. Church folk. They didn't encourage me. David didn't have anybody. They wanted to kill him. My family won't support me. Bless your heart. Listen, folks. You have to be strong. And you have to grab yourself by the ear. And you got to say, stand up. Look here. God has done too much for you. For you to be acting like this. Stop whining and crying. You've been through tough spots before. And God has brought you through it again and again and again and again. So what's wrong with you? Sometimes you need to grab yourself by the ear. Come on, say amen somebody. Look at Psalms 42.8. What did David do when everything was down and everybody was against him? Psalms 42.8. He did what? He what? He encouraged himself. He did what? Who did it? He did it. He encouraged himself where? In the Lord. Can you do that? Should you do that? And see, what happens is people get to the place or to the point where they think someone's got to help me. Say it again. People get to the place or point where they think somebody's got to help me. No, they don't. Let me say it again. No, they don't. Well, they ought to. They're supposed to. Whether they ought to or not, they don't have to do a thing. Let me say it again. They don't have to do a thing. Come on, are you with me out here? And one thing you got to get past if you want to stop being a teeny crybaby is you have to come to the realization 
that nobody owes me anything. You have to get past people or get past that people owe you something. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Why do they owe you something? They don't owe you anything. And nobody is your source of strength. Nobody is your deliverer except him who will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, when you know, come on, when you know that like the psalmist here, you'll say like the psalmist, yet the Lord will what? Command is what? Loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayers unto the God of my life. He's not talking about turning on the radio, folks. He's talking about pulling out his little guitar. But I can't play. Yeah, but you can still make a sound. And make a joyful sound for most of y'all. Come on, say amen, somebody. Get you a stick and a coffee can. And make your own music. Come on. What do you do when there's nobody there for you? When everything seems like it's lost and it's late and it's too far gone. What do you do? You don't wait on somebody to call you. Let me say it again. You don't wait for somebody to call you or notice you or recognize you. You don't wait for somebody to to be especially alerted by God with a word of knowledge to come visit you. Come on, preaching good in here. And you don't sit around and sulk because your family hasn't even showed up. What do you do? You get out your coffee can. And you start beating your beat to your coffee can and singing. Come on, can you do it? Can you encourage yourself in the Lord? Don't wait on anybody. Don't look to anybody. And that's the problem of most Christians. They're always waiting and looking for somebody else to encourage them. I'm preaching good in here. Instead of waiting for somebody else to boost me up, we ought to be the kind of people who can encourage ourselves and help other people. You hear what I just said? We don't look for somebody to prop us up, folks. We know how to do it ourselves. And then we're strong enough to help somebody else until they can encourage themselves. Come on, are you with me out here? And if we did this, guess what? If we did this, we wouldn't have a church full of babies. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Instead, we'd have a church full of maturing saints who can help those who are really our babies. And I believe the Lord is raising up some mature believers in this church. Come on, a bunch of strong believers who know how to encourage themselves, who know how to get in there, get in there and hear from God from there for themselves and know how to obey God. Come on, say amen, somebody. And who are able with resources and faith and faith, come on, spiritual and natural to help other people. Instead of, a look, instead of looking for somebody else to help us all the time, it's time to grow up and develop. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's time to grow up. Tell somebody else, it's time to grow up. Stop looking for somebody else to encourage you all the time. Encourage yourself. So it says, Psalm 42, 8, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the what? Daytime. And in the night, in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto God of my life. Come on, was he going through something? Come on, he's going through this, folks. The Bible says, we just read, he was greatly distressed. Listen, he didn't jump into this because he felt like it. 
He had cried until he had no more tears. He had sown until he had no more strength to do anything. Come on. It was in this condition that he initiated self-encouragement. Then he says in verse 9, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Was he mourning? Yes. As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And it's probably the men that were serving him, amen, they were saying this. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yeah, where is your God? Come on, we were out there helping you serve your God. And then we come home and find our houses burned to the ground and everything going, including our wives and our children. Yes, where is he? And they were ready to kill him. And then on top of that, he had to deal with his own soul. Ain't bad enough dealing with other people. But sometimes you got to deal with your own soul. Because your own soul starts talking to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. But in verse 11, what did he do? He quit whining to God and start talking to who? Start talking to who? Start talking to who? Himself. David begins to talk to David. <laughs> Here I just said, David begins to talk to David. Hallelujah. And he says, hey! Why art thou cast down on my soul? What's wrong with you? Why art thou disquiet within me? Hope thou in God. That means don't give up. Don't despair. Don't cast your confidence away. It ain't over. Hope in God. Say it ain't over. But it is over. Look at the smoke. No, it ain't. Yeah, it is. Look at the pile of bills. And I don't even have two nickels to rub together. Uh, I don't care. It ain't over. Tell your neighbor, it ain't over. Listen, never say it's over. Let me say it again. Never say it's over. If anybody could have said it's over, it would have been David and his men. Why? They didn't know which way to go. They didn't have a house or a bed to lay down in. Come on, say amen, somebody. But he what? He encouraged himself. Anybody getting anything out of this? What did he do? He got a hold of his soul because his soul had all these feelings. His soul had all this sorrow. And he says, hey, soul, soul, listen to me. God is with you. He has never failed you. He has never let you down. What are you carrying on like this for? Why are you disquieting the hope thou in God? And listen, sometimes you got to stop and talk to yourself. Open your mouth and talk to you. Let me say it again. Open your mouth and talk to you. Talk to your soul. Talk to your feelings. Talk to your emotions. Say, calm down. Go say it, calm down. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Come on. I shall what? Yet praise him, who is the help of my countenance and my God. Come on. And one thing you got to be, 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 you got to be beware of. You have to Beware, have to be beware of the negative list. Don't pull out the negative list. Don't pull out the negative list on your spouse. Oh, shake that. No, 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 no. We could have had this. 
We never did this. Because if you start down that road, the devil will sit right on your shoulder. And he'll add to that list. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And the list will get longer <laughs> and longer on what you don't have or what you can't do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because it's designed to discourage you until you have no hope. Come on, are you with me out here? Until you look at those mountains and say, oh, God, just take me out of here. There ain't no way I'm going to get out of this one. But there is a way. And his name is Jesus. Come on, say amen, somebody. David said, have hope in God. Another way to say it is expect God. Because that's what the word hope means. It means expect. Expect God. For I shall yet what? Praise him. Come on, can you praise him in the ashes? Come on, can you praise him with all, with all, with all the money gone? Amen. I ain't getting a lot of amens out here. Can you praise him in the midst of your trouble? Come on, can you praise him when you don't see your way out? Come on, you say, Lord, I praise you for bringing me out of this before you even see yourself out of it. Lord, I praise you for showing me where to go and what to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the moment you really do that from your heart, Light and strength begin to flow to you from God. Say amen, somebody. Go back to Samuel, 1 Samuel 36. Are you getting anything out of this? So David encouraged himself in the Lord. He did what? He encouraged himself in the Lord in verse 7. And David said to Abathar the priest, amen, he went to the, to the pastor. Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought hither the ephod to David. Look at verse 8. And David did what? David did what? David did what? David inquired at the Lord. Get this now. Get this. Tell your neighbor, get this. The first thing David did is encourage himself. The first thing he did was what? Encourage himself. You can't hear from God when you're wallowing in self-pity. You hear what I just said? You can't hear from God when you're wallowing in self-pity. You encourage yourself in the Lord and then what did he do? Then David inquired at the Lord. Don't listen. He inquired at the Lord. Don't just assume that you know what to do. Ask the Lord to show you what to do. And it says, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And what did the Lord say? And the answer said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail. Without fail, do what? Recover all. Somebody say all. Now he must have believed the Lord. And he must have given some kind of speech to convince those guys who wanted to kill him. <laughs> that must have been a serious speech. Come on, he called a meeting and they actually came. And he convinced them to load up and follow him. Listen, listen, listen. You can't do that if you don't have victory on the inside of you. Amen. Hear what I just said? You can't do that unless you have victory on the inside of you. Nobody's going to follow you if you act like you don't know where you're going. And 
See, he must have came out of the presence of God. And he said, men, I've heard from God. And see, they've heard that many times before. And you know, every time he came out and said that, he was always right. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they buckled up, put their armor on, and they was ready. Verse 10, but David, what? Pursued he and the 400 men for 200 abode behind. They were so faint that they could not go over the brook beside them. I mean, these guys were weak, folks. And they went, and as they went, they found the guy. I'm just going to do a shortcut. Amen. They found the guy who was able to tell them where they went. Listen, if you never take the first step, you'll never find out about the second step. What if they hadn't left? They went out. Listen to this now. They went out, and the Lord had a man positioned who knew right where to go, where they were to go. Verse 16. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread about upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. I mean, they was partying. Because of what? Because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. I mean, they were cleaning up. Come on, they, they were serial raiders. <laughs> and it says in verse 17, and David did what? David went on a warpath. David smoked them from the twilight even until the ending of the next day. Come on, he was on a warpath. Come on. And it said, there escaped not a man. You mess with my family? You burn my house? Come on. You take all my stuff? All y'all dead. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> it said, there escaped not a man, say 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David did what? David did what? He recovered how much? All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Listen to this, verse 19. And there was nothing lacking to them. Somebody say, nothing lacking. Neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoiled, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Anybody ready to get their stuff back? David recovered all. Why? Because he didn't quit. He didn't lie down and die. He didn't give in to despair. Come on, say amen, somebody. What well, a question is, what about us? Do we ever quit? Come on, does it ever get so bad that we say it's of no use? Somebody say never. Why? Because if you have to, you encourage yourself in the Lord. You remind yourself how faithful God is. How good he is. What he's done for you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then you ask him, what do you do? What do you want me to do, Lord? And when he tells you, you do it. And like David, what happened is you'll recover all. Somebody say all. Say, I'm getting it all back. Some of y'all better say it like you mean it. Say, I'm getting it all back. Look at verse 20. And David took up the flocks and the herds, which they drave before those other cattle, and said, and said, this is what? This is what? David's spoil. Listen. They got all the spoil that these raiding parties had collected. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they went from nothing. They went from smoking ruins, no family, to getting everything back, and they became a lot richer than when they started out. 
Then as they were going back in verse 21, and David came to the 200 men, listen to this now, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Bazar. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with them. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. But notice what the other men say. Then answered all the wicked men, and the men to Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them out of the spoil that we have recovered. Say to every man, I'll give your wife and your children back. That's all you getting out of this group. Come on. That they may lead them in the park. Here, here's your wife, here's your children. <laughs> here's your children. Here. Come on. But in verse 23, then David said, he says, you shall not do so, my brother. With that, well, listen now, with that which the Lord has given us. Come on. Who has what? Preserved us. And what? Delivered the company that came against us in our hand. Listen, everything you got came from God. I don't care how you got it back, but God was the ultimate source of everything that you have. And you got a nerve to say ain't nobody else going to get it when you didn't get it for yourself. Then in verse 24, for who will hearken unto you in this manner? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that what? terrified the stuff, they shall part alike. They're getting just as much as you got. And it was so from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziglag, he what? Listen, listen. Listen to this man, David. When David came to Ziglag, he sent of the spoil because it was so much. He sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, he even sent a little to his friends. <laughs> Saying, behold, a present for you of the spoils of the enemy. Hey, I'm sending you some gold earrings. <laughs> but once again, what kind of God did David know? He knew a God who took him from being the youngest, most insignificant, to the bravest, and he added to him. And even though he lost everything, he added back and more. And he lost everything, and he added back to him and more. And he wound up being one of the richest, most powerful, most respected people in the earth. He wound up with billions of dollars just to build the temple of God. Amen. Billions he collected for the temple of God. And that's pretty good for a poor boy. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, that's pretty good for a poor boy. But the next question is, what kind of man was David that God could do what he did for him? Because there's another side to this. Come on, say amen, somebody. He was a man who was after God's own heart. Come on, are you with me out here? He was a man who loved God with all his heart, soul, and his strength. He was a man who all he wanted to do is hang out and sing praises unto the Lord. That's all he wanted to do. That was his hobby, just to play his guitar and sang unto God. Are you with me out here? He was a man who would not give up. And listen, folks, you have to be the same way. Why? Because things can change in a day if you don't lay down and quit. Somebody say it'll change in a day. But you can't lay down and cry. And you can't lay down and feel sorry for yourself. See, we have to become experts in encouraging ourselves. 
Let me say it again. We have to be, become experts in encouraging ourselves. And see, we notice, we notice when our feelings begin to go. We notice when our soul wants to go one way and we catch it early. And we get, we get ourselves by the ear. And we go, hey, soul, not today. Come on, say, not today. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves today. We're not turning off the telephone. We're not pulling down the shades. Come on, say amen, somebody. No, you're going to get your clothes on, put on your very best, look good. Come on, comb your hair, brush your teeth. Come on, put in your teeth, whatever. <laughs> and you're going to stand up like a man or a woman of God that has been saved. You're going to stand up like a man or woman that God has answered their prayers before. That he has done so much for you. Act like you believe what you, what you shout about at church. That God is able to do all things. Act like nothing is too hard for God. Act like you believe it. Encourage yourself and then inquire of the Lord. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do it. But don't miss out on this last part, though. Go to 2 Samuel. We'll be done. And 2 Samuel, you know, when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant home, and he danced before the Lord, come on, his wife, Michal, or Micah, amen, she looked at him and said, you know, you shame yourself. And David said, listen, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> so what kind of man can God bless like this? A man who is not embarrassed about his God. A man who is not ashamed to praise God. Come on, say amen, somebody. He was so glad that ark was represented, the presence of God was coming back to where it was supposed to be, that he just danced, and he danced, and he danced, and he was the king. He was the man in the land. Come on, say amen, somebody. But they was rolling on that chariot. He said, stop the chariot. Stop it, stop it, stop it right now. He said, stop the chariot. He got down off that chariot. And what happened? He started doing his happy dance. <laughs> you know, everybody was looking at him. The king is acting pretty strange today. <laughs> but he didn't care. He started doing his what? He started doing his happy dance. Then in 2 Samuel 6, 21, and then say, David said to Michal, he said, listen, baby, it was before the Lord was chosen me, be, chose me in place of your daddy. <laughs> Come on, that. And before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, listen, I will play before the Lord. Why? Because he knew who got him there. And he knew who was going to keep him there. So he wasn't concerned about what other people thought. He said, and I will yet be more vile than this. And will be what? Based in my own sight. And of the maidservant which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I have had honor. He said, they ain't worried about it. Matter of fact, these, these little pretty girls out here, they're dancing with me while you up there staring. You should have been down there dancing with me. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> but look at verse 18. Go back to verse 18. It said, as soon as, soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he did what? Listen to this man. He blessed the people in the what? In the name of the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 19. 
and he dealt among all the people. These were millions of people. Millions. He dealt among all the people, even amongst the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the woman as men, to everyone. He said, here, here's a cake of bread. Here's a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to the house. This was millions of people. He said, y'all going to eat all y'all going to eat good tonight. What kind of man was David? He was a man that when he got blessed, everyone around him got blessed. You hear what I just said? When he got blessed, everybody around him got blessed. And he always gave God the glory. That's why he was a man at the God's own heart. He was a man who shared the blessing. That's the kind of man God knew. Lift your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. That's the kind of man who God knew. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. And we thank you, Lord.